So today we're going to continue in the series, The Kingdom of Heaven or The Kingdom of God. And this is part 12. Today we'll be concluding the mysteries of the kingdom. It's by no means finished, but I did three, this will be the third week I'll be touching on the mysteries of the kingdom. And I'm going to do a brief recap on what we talked about last week, and then I will just segue into what we're going to talk about today. So last week, we were talking about the mysteries of the kingdom, and that was the eighth, eighth, eighth truth. And this is, uh, we were talking about Jesus speaking to the people in parables. We are actually in the book of Matthew and after he was spe- finished speaking to the people in parables, he was explaining some of the parables to his disciples because they didn't, under- wouldn't, didn't understand it, some of the parables. But then Jesus said to them, he said, it is given to you, the disciples, you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And we are, if we are disciples of Jesus, and hopefully we are, we should know or pursue the knowledge of the kingdom to know its mysteries. We are supposed to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So you have to pursue the word, study the word, and let the Holy Spirit reveal what the mysteries of the kingdom are. Because if anybody asks us what it is, we're supposed to be able to tell them what the kingdom of God is about. Amen? So last week, again, as I said, we were in Matthew 25, And Jesus was also talking about, one of the parables was about a Lord who gave talents to his servants according to their ability. Now the servants, three servants, he gave one five talents, he gave one two talents, and he gave the third one talent. And he gave the servants, as I said, the talents according to their ability. Now the servants with five and two talents... They put them their talents to use and got a return. In other words, they bore fruit. They bore fruit because they multiply what they had. The third servant was the exception. Now all three servants knew the expectations of their Lord. They knew the expectations of their Lord. But this servant, the one who had one talent, he was afraid to step out and take the risk. So his Lord called him wicked And lazy. And I talked about, you know, even though that sounds harsh, why he called him wicked and lazy. I said wicked because he was disobedient. And he said, Bible talks about disobedience. It's like witchcraft. And disobedient refers to people who are walking in their flesh because they don't acknowledge the ways of God. So they're walking in disobedience. So what the one servant, the servant with one talent, What he had was taken away and given to the servant who had ten talents. Because the scripture also talks about abundance. The one who has, he who has, more will be given. And who who he who has but doesn't put it to use, it will be taken away. So whenever you put your gift or your talent to use, what you give or what you sow is going to multiply. And the Lord will give you more. Because you're sowing it, you're going to reap. And the Lord will give you more. So you'll have abundance. So what did we learn? We learned that there are expectations. We are expected to put to use what we have received from the Lord by the Spirit. 
Because you have to understand, it's not your wisdom, but he's put a gift in you, but you are responsible for exercising that gift by faith. So we talk about, remember earlier, we talk about prophesying. You prophesy by faith. Everything we do is by faith. But God, great as you, you take the step of faith, as you put to use the gift, God graces you, gives you the power the ability, the wherewithal to do what normally in the natural you cannot do. So the outcome, the fruit of it is not your fruit. The fruit of it is the fruit of the Spirit. Because the grace comes from the Spirit. And the fruit that is returned, that's multiplied, is not your fruit. The fruit is based on the gift given to you by God. And that fruit is fruit manifested by the Spirit. So there has to be evidence of fruit and more of the things of the kingdom will be revealed to us, as I said. If we do not put to use what was given, it will be taken away and given to another. So what's the mystery, as I said? The mystery in the case that we talked about last week. In the kingdom of God, there are gifts, talents and abilities given. And with that, there are expectations. The expectation is that we all walk by faith and bear fruit as we put to use what we were given and to know that our King has given us everything we need to be productive. If you understand that, it's not a mystery to you. We have been given gifts and talents to be put to use, to bear fruit. And what is that fruit? That fruit is to what? Edify the body. Whatever the gift or talent is, is to edify the body. That's the whole purpose of it. And if it was given by the Spirit, and the Lord give us everything we need so that we can be productive. Because we get grace to do it. Alright? So understand that this fruit is not by our works, but by grace. As we exercise those gifts by faith, we must be willing to surrender. You must be willing to die. You must be willing to walk by faith. And allow the Lord to express himself by his spirit through us. If we are disciples of Jesus, we must know this and teach it to others. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So as we are disciples, we are to make disciples. So as you know the mysteries of the kingdom, as you know the things of God, you teach it to others. And they in turn, as they mature, as they become disciples, they will also teach it to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today we're going to conclude the mysteries of the kingdom. And I'd like us to turn to Matthew chapter 13, please. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 31 through 32. I've seen something here that I've never really put together before. But hopefully you'll be blessed by it. Let me know when you're at Matthew 13, please. Mm -hmm. Verse 31 through 32. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is Jesus again speaking in parables. And verse 31 he says, Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. 
So he's saying the kingdom of heaven started small. Because it says, it's like a mustard seed. And if you know a mustard seed, a mustard seed is very tiny. It seems insignificant. And when it's mature, it becomes a place of refuge. Where did I get that? It says here, the least of all the seeds, verse 32, when it grows, it is grown, it's greater than herbs and becomes a tree. And it says, birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So that means it's a place of refuge. So he's saying the kingdom of God starts as a small seed, but when it's at maturity, it's a place of refuge. It's a place where people's burdens can be released and be saved from the power of sin. Because Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the power of the kingdom. And wherever he or the disciples went, the kingdom of God released people's burdens. If you were sick, demon-possessed, when darkness was impacted by the power of the kingdom, whatever it is had people in bondage, no longer had people in bondage. Did you get that? So if that's the case, that means if you were in bondage and no longer in bondage, that means you have been set free from something. Your burden was released. Amen? And in Matthew 8, you don't have to turn there. Jesus, Jesus was the example. He showed his authority over nature. His authority over sickness. His authority over demonic spirits. All by faith and directed by the Spirit. What did that say? It shows the power and the influence of the kingdom of God. The disciples were afraid in the boat. When he calmed the storm, what did Jesus relieve? Their fear. When the demoniac at, at, the, at Gadara was possessed with seven demons, when Jesus set him free, what happened? He relieved that man of the demonic oppression and possession. The man became, he, he came back in his right mind. When the little girl Tabitha was sick and died, Jesus raised her from the dead, releasing the stress on the parents because they were grieved over the death of their child, a young girl. Wherever the kingdom of God is, it, it impacts the lives of people and makes their lives better. That's why I talk about a tree. It, was, it starts as a mustard seed and a tree where birds in the air come and nest. So for example, so we here are the call out ones we are citizens of the kingdom. But when people are impacted by our lives, they're supposed to be feel safe in the presence of citizens of the kingdom. Do you all get that, that analogy? People are supposed to feel safe and they're supposed to feel like they can, we, they can trust us and know that they will not be betrayed and know that they will not be looked down on upon. I know that they will be treated right and with respect and with love and compassion and mercy. That's the impact. When people are impacted by the citizens of the kingdom and the kingdom of God, that's how they're supposed to feel. And if you notice, whatever Jesus did and the disciples did, it's never about them. It's always about relieving the stress of others. 
Why do you think the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son? That whosoever believed in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Who is that to benefit? Fallen man. Whatever God does, it's never about Him. It's about helping others, relieving the stress and the, and the power of sin over the life of people. You guys get that? That's the love of God. That's why the Bible says, prefer one another. Love one another. It's never about you. It's about helping somebody else. Relieving the burden and the stress in their lives. So that they can be free to worship. Free to love. Free to, to, to give themselves to God. And in that way, we teach them and they teach others. Let's go to Matthew 13. Let's go to, oh, yes, Matthew 13. Go to verse 24. Now this is awesome. So we're going to read Matthew 13, chapter 13, verse 24 through 30, then 37 through 42, then 47 through 50. I got to show you this. Are you ready? Okay, 24. Another parable he put forth to them saying, this is Jesus. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? Gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. He said, Let them grow together until the harvest, and at the, and that, and at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's go to verse 37. Now this is Jesus explaining what he just said to the disciples. So the disciples now want to know what he said. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. So we understand in the field, they are sons of God, the kingdom, and sons of the wicked. Verse 39, the enemy you sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out His kingdom, out of His kingdom, all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping, wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now let's go to verse 47. Just, just keep that. Both of these parables are similar. Verse 47. Again. The kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which 
When it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, and but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now what is all that about? So the first parable is saying, the earth is the field or venue for the kingdom of heaven to come forth. Jesus the king, now this is, let me, I'm tying this in with the mustard seed now. So you see how the parable with the mustard seed and these two tie together. Oh my God, it's, it's awesome. I've never put it together like this, so watch it. Jesus the king came and sowed the seed from which the kingdom will flourish. Because it says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which is insignificant. It's small. But eventually it, it matures. It, it blooms. It matures. And it becomes a place of refuge for the birds of the air. Jesus said in John 12, 24, you don't have to turn there. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it cannot bring more, more fruit. Because if it stands alone, if it doesn't go into the ground and die, it stands alone. So what did Jesus do? Jesus is the seed. He sowed the seed. What was that seed? His body. And resurrected. Through that death and resurrection, all who believe now can come forth and be birthed forth by that same spirit. The Bible says he's the firstborn of many brethren. So he, the, the, the mustard seed, Jesus was sown. And what came forth from that is the kingdom being flourished as people are, the called one, called out ones now are being called out and birthed into the kingdom through by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So that people are being added to the kingdom. And as they're being added, it grows. It flourishes. And as we make disciples, it's maturing. Glory to God. And as that happens, we impact the lives of people and make them lives better. When they come into our presence, when they come into the, where the kingdom, the citizens of the kingdom have gathered, their people are supposed to feel safe. Find refuge. He says, God is my refuge. God is my strength. A very present help in trouble. Where we are, that's where the Spirit is. When people come in our presence, they're supposed to feel safe. They're supposed to feel that there's a place of refuge. So Jesus sowed was the seed that was sown. And now the kingdom is, is, is maturing, is growing as people are called out from darkness into light. So currently, in the field, the analogy Jesus gave, well, the, the parable about the, about the wheat and tares and about the dragnet, what do you see? You see mixture. <laughs> there is a mixture because there is children of righteousness and the wicked. And in the dragnet, there are all kinds of things that are pulling with that net. Okay? So there is mixture. So in the venue where the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God on the earth is being 
is growing and expanding, there is mixture. So at the time of maturity, or at a specific time, there is going to be separation. Okay? So he says the angels, or at the time of harvest, or at the time of culmination, the angels are the reapers who will be going about doing the separating. They'll be gathering the tares. They'll be gathering the, 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 the waste from the, from the dragnet, whatever is not wanted. All that is going to be gathered and thrown away. And what is what will be left is what is pure, what is right, what is holy, what God wants to keep. Amen? Amen. So understand, that is what he's saying there. So if you have ever gone fishing, because I've seen people fish, they're fishermen, pulling and pulling in the nets. And once the stuff, they're, they're pulling the nets, they catch, they, they take whatever they want to keep, they, they pull out, and whatever they don't want, they throw away. That's the same. Because what you pull in is mixture. You're pulling in everything. So you keep what you want and throw away what you don't want. So the fishermen, they are the harvesters. The same way the angels are the harvesters. Glory to God. So at the appointed time, the angels will be dispatched at the end of the age to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. Glory to God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says here, In Him, who is Him? Christ. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace which He made to abound to Towards us in all wisdom and prudence. I'm not going to go through and explain all that. I want to show you a few things in here. Verse 9. This is critical. He says, Having made known to us. Who is us? The disciples. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. So he's saying here, The God in Christ has made it known to us the mystery of his own will. So now we know what he is about. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. He said what God, what God planned to do, what he has foreknowledge of what he decided to do. That mystery is now made to us, known to us. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of fullness of the fullness of times, he might gather together in or in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are in, on the earth. In Him, Christ, verse 11, in Him also we have obtained an inheritance. You almost hear me talk about that. Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also trusted that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation or the gospel of the kingdom, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed, hear that? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? I'm going to stop there. Oh my God. So what does this have to do with 
the parables Jesus spoke. Oh my God, it's, it's awesome. What does that have to do? Listen to this. In verse 9 and 10 it says, In the dispensation, verse 10, Of the fullness of the times. It's saying at the appointed time. At the end of the age. When God says, This thing has, it's time to bring this to a close. It's saying here, At the maturing of the kingdom, At the predetermined time, To bring this thing to fruition. The Father will gather all things in heaven and earth and make them one in Christ. So he's saying on earth, when the angels are dispatched and separate the wheat from the tares, in Christ, what's in heaven, which we cannot see with our eyes, and what's on earth, is all going to be brought as one in Christ. Under Christ. Under the rule of Christ. So what we see going on in, on earth is to be brought together with what's going on in, in heaven right now. Glory to God. And our physical bodies won't have anything be, to do with it. We have to put off these bodies before we can meld with heaven. Because this flesh and blood, it says, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The things on earth which have been separated and are incorruptible, because it says lawlessness, people who practice lawlessness, cannot inherit this kingdom. And I spoke about that weeks ago. So, the things on earth which have been separated and are incorruptible would be brought together with the things of heaven under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He in turn is subject to the Father. So in verse 13 it says, listen to this. It says, in him you who also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you heard the gospel of the kingdom. In whom also you believe. What happens when you believe? You get born again. What happens when you believe? You get pulled out of darkness into light. You get called out. And what happens? You get sealed with that spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit of promise. It says that in verse 13. You will seal with the Holy Spirit of promise. So how do the angels know who belongs to God and who doesn't belong to God? That seal... That we can't see. But if you are a disciple of Christ. If you love Jesus. I don't mean love him in word. But I mean you are putting, walking by faith. The angels know. God knows who belongs to him. He knows. Already knows. So when he dispatched the angels. When he dispatched the angels to start to reap. Those who do not have that seal. Will be thrown away. Cast away. And those who have that seal will be melded with heaven. After, of course, we put off the, this, this, this body, this corrupt body. But we will be changed in an instant, in a moment, in a twinkling of our eye. We will be changed from corruptible to incorruptible. And our full redemption will be realized. Glory to God. That is exciting. It is exciting. Our full redemption will be realized. And it says... They, he who has that hope purifies himself as he is pure. Because once you understand the mystery of the kingdom, what is this mystery? That we all will be one in Christ. And we will be melded with heaven. And if you know you have that hope, you're going to walk circumspectly, checking your heart, checking your life, checking your motives. And make sure you're walking in the light. 
So the children of the kingdom will be identified, as I said, by a seal, which is the Holy Spirit. Who is God? He is now the guarantee of our inheritance. You know what a guarantee is of an inheritance? A guarantee is of what? A guarantee. You can take it to the bank. You, you got this. It's a guarantee. That seal of the Holy Spirit in your life is a guarantee that you are inheriting the kingdom of God. That you're a child of God, a son of God, a citizen of the kingdom. Glory to God. That not that exciting? Yes, sir. It's a guarantee. Yes, so we will put off incorruption and take on the incorruptible at the harvest. So the kingdom of God is where the inhabitants take on the nature of their king. We are partakers of God's divine nature. And should easily operate in the natural and the spiritual realm. Operating in the way we operate in the natural. We should be able to operate in the spiritual realm the same way. So when you have that divine nature. You will inherit what God promised. Why? Because you are sealed with the spirit of promise. We are all to be one in Christ. The things in heaven and the things on earth. Anything that's incorruptible. Anything that's sealed with the seal of God. Would be all one in Christ. 